I don't do that as good as Ron. I didn't get the reaction, did I? I hope you all have been enjoying uh, this sermon series as much as I have. Uh, I'm kind of, I, I kind of have a lot of energy, and I'm, I like to be motivated, and, and, and you know, with even coaching, a lot of motivation involved with that. But I've really enjoyed this sermon series on Let's Go, Folks, because it's time to go. And um, before we get into what we're going to talk about today, Ron's message for today was going to be Let's Go Shine. And that's why you had all those wonderful, fun songs about uh, this little light of mine, let your light shine, and all that, that kind of stuff. And maybe you'll have to do them again next week when he comes back. But um, Ron will pick up with Let's Go Shine next week. Um, it, it, I'm sure most of you have heard, if any of you haven't, Ron's brother, Jeff, who's a minister at a Christian church in uh, Brazil, Indiana, had a stroke this week. And uh, his, his left side's not functioning. And so Ron went to Brazil today to uh, cover those two churches for Jeff. And um, you guys got the JV team today. You got to, they moved me up from JV. I get to wear the varsity uniform today. So uh, before we get going, too, I do have uh, some real quick um, introductions to make. We have some guests with us today that we're really uh, uh, excited about being here. And they'll be a part of the question and answer uh, session at the end of the worship service today, uh, but I want to introduce them, and when I do introduce you guys, if your family's with you, if, if they don't mind standing as well, but we have Chris Daven Davenport here with us today. Uh, go ahead and family, stand, go ahead and stand. And you st stay standing, uh, Chris, while Mark Sorensen stands as well. Where's Mark? Okay, Let's hear it from Mark. Chris and Mark are with CDF. Chris has kind of been our right-hand man, our advisor, from all the way back to when we did facility assessments and, and needs. Mark is our financial advisor with CDF. So guys, welcome, and we look forward to uh, you helping me answer questions after a while. So, And then uh, John Kettenbrink is with us. John, you and your family? John is the owner of, of our architect uh, company, so he's responsible for those fine renderings uh, that you saw out there and all the blueprints that we'll be working on and everything. He is with LMH Architects. So thank you guys for being. And Tim Cooper is with us as well. Tim? He's all the way in the back. Security. Are you the bouncer? You the bouncer today? Uh, Tim is with uh, the, the Giving Church, who is going to be the uh, group that it will help us with our capital campaign. So if you have some of those financial questions after a while, Tim will be able to help answer those as well. But make them welcome when you see them coming and going, and, and thank them for coming as well. But let's go, folks! It's time to go! All right, so to do this, we're, we're going to have a little bit of fun, all right? I, I, I want to see how excited you can get because I, I, need, I need a little help. Ruthie, you're, I'm going to love it, all right? So here we go. we got three sections, so this works out really well. Okay, you guys over here, when I point to you, you're going to yell, let's. Okay, when I point to the middle, you guys are going to yell, go. You got, see, you guys are quick. This is easy. When I point to you guys, you're going to yell, Folks, okay, we ready? One, two, three. One more time. Okay, but it gets better because it's not just let's go, folks. We got to do something about it, right? So it's go time. So you guys are going to be it's go time. 
Ready? One, two, three. Louder. Yeah. All right. It's go time. We need to get excited about being Christians, do we not? We need to get things going. I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles with you, to Luke 14. If not, you can watch it on the screen. Follow along. We're going to be looking at a very uh, popular um, passage of Scripture. Luke 14, verses 16 to 23. Follow along with me, please. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent out a servant to those who had been invited. Come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. First said, I've just bought a field, and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. (laughs) You like that one, huh? Yeah, okay. The servant came back and reported this to the master. The owner of the house became angry. Remember, this is scripture about the kingdom and God and we as his people and his Christian, as his servants, his disciples, his Christians. The owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I thought about titling titling this message, It's Time to Go. But I was afraid y'all would get up and leave on me when I said that. So I had to tweak it and change it just a little bit so that you'd stay in here maybe. But here's the deal. It is, it's time to go. It's go time. And here's one thing that's for sure. Through this last period of time that we've gone through with everything from COVID to the things that are happening, happening socially in our communities, in our culture, and everything's going on, We've kind of reached a crossroads, have we not? We kind of, during the COVID thing, we kind of drove up to the stop sign and we stopped. And we looked to the right, and we looked to the left, and we considered God's will. And now it's time to make a choice. It's time to make a decision. And I don't think we should just sit there at the stop sign. I think it's time to put the metal, pedal to the metal and say it's go time. There are many scriptures in the Bible that tell us to go. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In Mark 16, 15, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I don't know if you picked up on something, but what are the first two letters of the gospel? Go. We want to spread the gospel, we have to go. Psalm 126.6, it says, Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, get this, will return 
with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. You see, what I want you to get there is nothing happens until you go. Acts chapter 5, verse 20 says, Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. You see, Jesus said it, Jesus did it, and Jesus instructed us on what we need to be doing. Because we've talked about this before, and we've said it time and time again, but every disciple is a disciple maker. That's our job description, to be a disciple maker. In Mark chapter 5, verse 19, he said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. In Matthew 13, we get the parable of the sower, and we know that the farmer went out and he sowed seed, and some of that seed took, right? And some of that seed didn't take, but he went out to sow the seed. And that's what we are to do. It is not our job, it is not our calling to save people. We don't do that. We sow the seeds. We share the gospel. We talk to as many people as we can about the good news of Jesus Christ. So let's go. Many of us used to be in the habit of witnessing, but our get up and go done went up and gone or something. I don't know. We just sit there now, come each Sunday, and, and we sit here and then we leave, but there's no go. There's no going out and being the church. There's no going out and representing Jesus Christ as our best friend, as our Lord and Savior. If you can't get excited about that, if you can't get excited about sharing that with people to keep your friends and neighbors and family from going to hell, I don't know what can excite you. I don't know what there is that would get under your crawl. I heard a story one time about a championship football game and uh, this one team was behind and they, they kept, they, they get all the way down inside that red zone. They get all, all the way down even inside the 10-yard line and, and uh, they just couldn't get the ball across the end zone and four play. They, 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 you know, down number one, they hand, hand off to the, to the fullback. He'd get stuck. Then they'd try some pass play, and it was incomplete. And then they'd have a wide receiver come by and give it to him on, on a swing out, and, and he'd get tackled. And there's a guy up in the stands that kept yelling, Give the ball to Calhoun! He was the running back. Next series, they came down, they didn't score. And the guy, who obviously was the dad, by the way, Give the ball to Calhoun! Didn't score. Came down another time during the game. Same thing. Get stopped. Give the ball to Calhoun! Finally, the coach turns around and looks up in the stands and yells, Calhoun don't want the ball! <laughs> I think sometimes that's how we are. We, we, we don't want to take the baton and go. We don't want to carry on the relay race. Check out some of these scriptures in Luke chapter 10. Verses 1 through 3, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go! There's even an exclam exclamation mark in my version. Go, 
I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Luke 15, verse 4, it says, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds him? Romans 15, 25, Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. Here's Paul talking about his desire to go to Rome. Never been to Rome. He wanted to go to Rome and preach to the Romans He wanted to share the gospel, the good news with the Romans. But before he could, he knew he was called to Jerusalem to spread the gospel right there in his own area. Galatians 2, 9. James, Cephas, which is Peter. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised, the Jews. Go. They had to go. And in Acts 28, 26 says, go to this people, this people group. Go to them. In Acts 8, 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. I'll bring that Ethiopian to you. You just go and stay there. But you got to go. And finally, look at our text again. Concentrate on verses 21 through 23 of our text. The servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. You know, in most cases in the Bible, if you go back to the Hebrew language, in most cases when they used the word go, it was was done in a present progressive tense which literally meant, as you are going. We're supposed to be in motion. We're supposed to be about God's business. But we need help. We need structure. We need need a plan. And that's what we, as your leadership, want to give you right now. Let me ask you a question. Why did God leave us here when we got saved, instead of just sweeping us up to heaven. I mean, I mean if, the, if the ultimate goal of everybody is to be saved and, and end up spending eternity in heaven, why at that point in time didn't he sweep us up? Finish the race? The reason is because we have a job to do as his disciples. We have a job to do as Christians. It's not just always all about us. The commands are easy to remember. The job description is easy to remember. Love God, love others, go make disciples. What are we commanded to do? Love God, love others. What's our job description? Make disciples. It doesn't get much easier to remember. But we have such a hard time of going 
and acting that out. He didn't come down and sweep us up because it's, it, it, he wants us to take as many people with us as we possibly can. So it's go time. It's time to stop sitting and it's time for us to go to work. We've got a lot of great things going on here at this church. We've got a lot of great ministries that are taking place. We're excited about the possibility of a building expansion because our biggest ministry are 250 people that come in here five days a week to get to hear that gospel. It's time to go to work. Let me ask you something. Is the purpose of the fire department to keep the truck, fire truck all shiny and the firefighters' uniforms all neat and clean? Or is the purpose of the fire department to put out fires? I mean, surely there's a need for both. Don't get me wrong. Surely there's a need for both. And there must be a balance in our churches for going out and making disciples and also taking care of the saints. There has to be a balance. I get that. But we seem in corporate America, corporate Christian church America, we seem to have created little places that people can come together and we do a good job of taking care of each other and taking care of the saints. But i got to challenge you. I don't know that we've done a great job of the other part of that, of going and making disciples. I, I just look, look in the mirror. Myself included. Each and every one of us need to look in the mirror. And how, how many people? I got an 11-year-old that I think later this afternoon, he, he, he said, Coach, I think it's time I got dunked. <laughs> I said, I agree. You and your dad and your brother and your mom. And I'm hoping that, that they follow through with that later today even. There's a need for both. And in the church, there's a balance between reaching souls and caring for the saints. But here's the deal. To forsake one for the other, I think just might be displeasing to God. Our scripture says the master, the owner, got angry when they didn't go and bring the people in. He said to go and compel them. So here's the plan. Here's what I'm saying that I think we need to do. Number one, let's go and invite them. Let's go invite them. Thinking back on our text. So let's go get them. Isn't that what they were told to do? Go, go out to the, to the streets. Go out to the country lanes. Go out to wherever you need to go out to. But whom should we get? Well, maybe we go out and get the poor. Like Bartimaeus. Maybe we go out and get the rich. Like Zacchaeus. Maybe we go get the religious people like Nicodemus. Maybe we go get the sick people. Like the impotent man. Maybe we get talk to some sinners and some wicked people like the woman at the well. Or let's go back to that Ethiopian eunuch. Maybe we get the working people like James and John who are mending their nets. 
Maybe we get the political people like Cornelius. Maybe we get the social people like Lydia. Maybe we get the little people, the children, like Jesus spoke about in Matthew 19.4. It reminds me of a, of a story of a little girl came home from, from church, from Sunday school, and, and her mom asked her how it went, and she said, well, it went really, really good. We had this neat little story about Jesus eating with sinners and this real mean little girl named Edith. Edith? who's Edith? And, and, and where did you come up with this mean little girl named Edith? And she said, well, our scripture said that Jesus receiveth sinners and eateth with them. But nowhere in the Bible does it command the lost to come into this building. It's not in there. Nowhere is there a command for the lost to come in. So we got to go out. <laughs> we got to go out and find them. We got to go out and bring them in. We got to go out and invite them. Where should we go? That one's easy. That's the great commission into all the world. Into all the world. But there are circumstances, there, there are situations in the Bible where he said, go back to your hometown. There are other times when he told them to go out into those country lanes in the fields. There are times that they were to go to other countries. Harvest is plentiful. The labors are few. I think God's leading us to the thirsty. He's leading us to the seeking. He's leading us to those who might be lost but might be interested. You cannot tell me that right now in this world that we live in, with everything that has happened, with everything that is going on, that God has not presented to us more opportunities to share the gospel with people than ever before. It's right in front of us. We have what the world needs. We have the cure that the world needs. And it's right in front of us. And God's leading us to them because... The fields are full of harvest. So let's go invite them. But let's also go and instruct them. Jesus said, teaching them to obey all the things that I have commanded you. Teaching them. You see, along, as we're going out to meet them, as we're going out to build relationships with them, as we're going out to invite them, all along the way we're discipling them. We've got this idea in our Christian world that after they're saved, then we'll put them in a class on discipleship. We'll teach them how to be disciples then. It's not what Jesus did with the disciples. He called them to follow and He started instructing them and teaching them from day one. As He built relationships with them. And showed them how to live. And showed them how to love. And showed them how to treat people. He discipled them along the way. So let's go and instruct them. I, I, I think it could be very powerful if we would get into situations where we could be one-on-one -on -one mentors with people. Instead of expecting them to come in here and plugging them into some class or something that 
we, we know we need the Bible study, but that's not what they're coming. They want relationships where they can learn about Christ and grow into being that disciple. And it's our job because every disciple is a disciple maker. So let's go invite them. Let's go instruct them. Let's go and inspire them. I think there's a need for Christians today to be alive. There's There's a need for Christians to be alert. There's a need for Christians to even be awake sometimes. There's a tremendous need for zeal. A tremendous need for inspiration. We are talking about the greatest business in the world. God's business. The greatest business in the world. And there's a need for us to, as Christians, get fired up. There's a need for us to be filled with enthusiasm. For our own relationships with God and how we want others to have that relationship. And I think if we do, I believe, I don't think, I believe when we do that there will be souls saved and brought to Christ. And that's just going to inspire us even more. We'll get more excited when that happens. So we go and invite them, we go and instruct them, we go and inspire them, and then finally let's go and involve them. You see, once people are invited to come to Christ, once they're instructed in the ways of the Lord, once they're inspired to do the work of God, it's time to involve them. And we have to be ready for what is coming. I don't know about you guys, but... Isn't this exciting? It should be exciting to us. I don't want to step on any toes here, but no more church as usual. It's go time. We've trained. We've taught. We've talked. We've done. We've heard. We've done all these things, and now it's time for us to go. I can't imagine. Make sure you guys tell Ron I got an applause there, will you? I cannot imagine coaching one of my teams and all we ever got to do was talk about the game, talk about what we needed to do, practice, 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 but yet they never let us play a game. I mean, I know what that felt like when we were still playing and they just stopped our season and we didn't get to go on. That's kind of what we're talking about. We've done all these things to prepare ourselves to get ready. It's go time. Somewhere recently I read about a a tribe, a tribe of natives in a, a South American jungle who learned that if they ate certain leaves off of a tree, that it would give them extra strength, extra energy, and keep them from getting hungry. And so they started eating these leaves. And they seemed strong. They seemed energetic. They seldom got hungry. But the problem was a few days later, some of them started to die. Looking into it, an investigation revealed that they had starved to death. You see, the leaves had tranquilized them. The leaves had tricked them into some kind of false drug-like energy. 
And when I think about it, I, I, I just think it's pretty obvious that Satan has had a lot of success in tranquilizing Christians. Christians who are perfectly satisfied with the humdrum routine of going to church, of taking part in the formalities of the worship service, of carrying on the functions of a social ministry, just going through all these motions and thinking that they're pleasing God. But I wonder how many of them are really spiritually dead. Surely the only answer is to get back to the basics of going out to other people and carrying out the Great Commission. Surely that's the only answer. You know, in the Bible, well, let me back up. In our prayers, many times we pray over and over again, Lord, bless me. Bless me. If you got go ahead. Lord, bless me. Lord, bless my family. Lord, bless our church. Lord, bless my, you know, whoever. Bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. I think it's time we bless God. I, I think it's time we make God happy. I mean, and, and think about that. How, how do you make God happy? I mean, He owns everything, right? <laughs> it's like He doesn't need any of the things we could do. What would make God happy? Making disciples makes God happy. That's what we're called to do. And it's go time. So let's go, folks. As you stand and we get ready to sing this hymn of invitation, uh, I would challenge anyone in here today that <laughs> if you've never been on cloud nine because you gave your life to Christ, you asked for forgiveness of your sins, you confessed your belief in Him and we were baptized into Him, if you've never experienced that, I would pray you think about that hard today and you make the choice, you make the decision come today and take that confession that confession of faith let him be your Lord and Savior for the rest of your life and for the others of us in here that have done that but we have been tranquilized we've let Satan use his shrewdness to tranquilize us into thinking that it's just another Sunday and we haven't been going out and doing what the Bible gave us as a job description, I pray that we all take heart of that today and we look in the mirror and we decide right now. I don't care if it's a family member. I don't care if it's the waitress when you go out to eat after a while. If we can't be bold enough to talk about our best friend and what he can do for people's lives, then you just go ahead and talk about the weather. You just go ahead and talk about the Reds or the Cubs or the Colts or the Pacers or whoever you want to talk about. But my book says that makes God angry. It's go time. Let's pray.